Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. Today, we continue our series on the parables of Jesus. For all who have ears, let them hear. Jacob Holiday continues our series by talking about the barren fig tree. Repentance is vital to the Christian walk. This message was recorded on October 26, 2023 at Gunter Hall at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are, leave as a new creation. Hey, everybody. What's up, Chi Alpha? Yeah, that's right, Jake. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have some announcements for you before we have the message tonight. Woo! All right. So our first announcement is discipleship, discipleship class. class. So if you guys don't know what this is, um, Duncan kind of, t- or somebody, Duncan, yeah. Duncan did. Duncan kind of touched about this last week. So if you're curious, discipleship class is not exactly like leadership class, right? It's very similar, um, but the main purpose of why we want to do a discipleship class is because we truly, truly believe that every Christian, um, no matter how long you've been a believer, um, but you should know what discipleship is. Um, And especially because, especially for if there's any seniors in here or juniors even, you're going out into the workplace in a couple years, like you should have some tools under your belt to want to disciple people, right? In your workspace, in your workspace. So it's gonna be Saturday, November 4th. So not this Saturday, but next Saturday, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. There's gonna be lunch provided. Um, we're catering something, TBD, what that's gonna be. Yeah, but it's gonna free be free food. food. So. It's kind of your loss if you don't go for a free lunch. Um, but it's going to be at Greeley First Assembly in the basement. Um, and it's going to be a great time. So if you're interested, scan the QR code um, so you can sign up and RSVP. We just need RSVP so we know how much lunch um, we need to get. So that's important. So definitely sign up for that. All right. So our next announcement... Missions Week! You guys, this is probably my favorite week of the entire year. It is going to be awesome. We are bringing... How many guys remember Tyler Schultz from a few years ago? Oh, yeah. Some of you OGs remember him. He is going to be with us all week, and let me tell you, he's very personable, very relatable. He's going to be preaching that Thursday night, and we're going to emphasize emissions all week. We will have things going on every single night that week. Every so night. So if you, if you guys can make it, please do. Mark it on your calendars, and if you don't, we still love you anyways. <laughs> but it's going to be awesome. Um, then that Thursday night... We will have our missions trip reveals. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Missions trip reveals will be that that evening. So, uh, uh, well, after the service. So you want you're gonna want to be there for that. Oh yeah. And all right. Speaking of missions, something that we're gonna do tonight is missions offering. So don't don't worry. You weren't you know expected to bring anything yet, but. 
Um, so what we're going to do tonight for missions offering is we have a bunch of envelopes. So kind of very similar to what we did last year. So we have a bunch of envelopes with different amounts on them, right? Um, so if you guys could, in a little bit, not yet, before I'll dismiss you, um, but I want you guys to get in your small groups, and I want you to talk about what envelope you want, right? Now there's, I should do something better than this. Um, so there's different amounts that varied in there. There's a $1,000 envelope, $750, $500, 400 300 um, but the goal is, guys, is I want this to be something that'll challenge us, okay? I, I don't want you guys to think like, oh, well, my small group only has like three, four people, so I'm just going to get a $100 envelope, right? Um, because this is something that I really want us all to grow in, right? Um, we can sacrifice things in our daily lives in order to give to missions, but also, there's plenty of things that you can do to raise money for missions, yeah. right? I mean, like, you can get plasma. I know a bunch of us last year, we literally got a bunch of signs and, like, panhandled on the streets. And we actually made, like, almost, like, I feel like 500 close there from just panhandling. Um, so get creative. Talk within your small groups. Last year, we guys, we only gave you all a week. But this year, we're giving you two weeks, okay? <laughs> So last year we raised, I think it was like 5,700 something. It yeah. was right around there. But we, <laughs> and some change. But we want to do better, not better. We want to do more this year, right? Um, so our goal is to push it to 6,000 or more, okay? And in two weeks, I really, really think that we can do this. And the Lord can provide for it 100%, okay? Where's the offering going to? Oh, yeah. That is a good question. <laughs> Do we have pictures? No? Okay. Dang it. Well, anyways, so the offering this year, last year, was our amazing friends um, from Costa Rica. They're missionaries down in Costa Rica. A lot of you guys know them. But this year, um, we're going to be splitting the offering again between two families. Um, the first family is the Quins that you guys know. They're literally the directors of these amazing people. Um, but they are currently in the States right now, and they are itinerating and raising support so they can go back to Costa Rica next year. Um, so we're fundraising or raising money for them and then also the Lesters. If you guys don't remember the Lesters, they came down here last year. I think it was last either fall or spring, um, but they were down here and gave just a little talk because they are also fundraising. Um, they are trying to do work within Live Dead Origins out in the Middle East right now. Um, so, yeah, they're amazing, amazing couples who definitely would very much flourish from a donation and missions offering like this. Um, so, yeah, if Mark, if you want to play like some music or something, and then if you guys want to get into your small groups, um, whatever your small group is, is, and just try to challenge yourself, right? Go big. I don't want to see a small group pick up a $100 envelope, okay? If you want to get 100 then do it personally, like for yourself. Like, I'm personally going to get 101 just for myself to raise 100 bucks, okay? So, yeah.
Awesome, guys. Well, you know, the Bible says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And with these, and this money, every dollar of it is going to people that are going to be overseas, like boots on the ground. The, this money is literally going straight to win souls for, for Christ. Yeah. So we thank you guys for your generosity. And re remember, this is not a debt you owe. This is a faith promise. This is as the Lord enables us, this is what we'll give. Yeah. Uh, so... Lord, the the Lord is with you, and He loves it when uh, when when giving is is cheerful. Yeah. So we, so guys, thank you so much for your generosity, and we've got uh, and in two weeks, you got two weeks yeah. to stuff those envelopes. Woo. I also want to um, like a turkey. Like a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I also forgot to mention to you guys that if you have an envelope and you're like within a week, like you've already hit your limit, like don't. Don't just cut it there. Keep going. Yeah, do more. You are not going to be disciplined if you just reach the limit. Like, you know, do more. No. <laughs> okay, well, all right, next on the uh, announcements, offering. <laughs> you guys, uh, we are actually very close. Remember last week, Duncan had mentioned how uh, part of the offering that we get is goes uh, directly back to you guys it doesn't go to any of us here on staff uh, as a matter of fact uh, it goes directly to stuff like uh, missions trips for we uh, goes to events that we hold and what we're trying to raise right now is money for the new uh, snake and the snake if uh, you it's don't know it's not a pet it's not an <laughs> it's not like the class pet that we're trying to raise let's see <laughs> uh, it's it's what uh it's what hooks up all the all the cords here for our sound system we're very close and uh, yeah, your uh, generosity is very appreciated so uh, this is the this is the the QR code if you do Venmo be sure you put uh, charity and not under business uh, but but yeah, let me pray over the offering real fast Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everyone here. Thank you so much for uh, uh, just the generosity in the hearts that we've seen already. God, uh, I pray that uh, if you stir anybody's hearts, that they give willingly and that, uh, you, that you can give back to them whatever that they give. Uh, we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Last announcement before we invite the speaker up here tonight is we have XA After Dark. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys aren't sick of s'mores yet, I'm definitely not. Um, but yeah, come to, I think we're doing it at the same place, the UC fire pit. It's very hot. It's like an artificial fire. So it's toasty, which is nice because it's cold outside right now. It's crazy. So yeah, meet us at XA After Dark right after this. Yeah. Woo. All right, and now the moment you have all been waiting for the man, myth legend himself giving the word tonight and he doesn't want any of these accolades because he gives the glory to jesus jake holiday <laughs> let's see here oh there it is an hour hot all right is there any feet okay good yo oh how you doing all right, well, I'm going to move this, Peter, sorry. Okay, man, i got to adjust some things because I'm a bit shorter. So how's everyone doing? Good? Fantastic. That's what I love to hear. Well, right on. Well, welcome, especially for all of our guests, right? 
Well, as many of you know, and some of you probably don't, my name's Jake. So, hi, hello, hello. Also, I just want to touch on something real quick. Offerings, whenever we bring up offering, how many people are already uncomfortable with the, t- with the side of money? You don't have to raise your hand, but just know. Man, nothing, the reason why the Lord, <laughs> the reason why the Lord asks us to give is not because he needs our money, it's because he wants our heart. And, we, and he knows that wherever our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Right? So just keep that in mind in the, in the, as we're going forward. Right? So and as we know, right, in five days, it's going to be Halloween. Right? And a lot of people love Halloween, and that's, you know, that's fine. But what a lot of people don't know is that Hall- October, October 31st isn't just for Halloween, especially for our Bible nerds. Right? We know that, and you're about to know, that October 31st, 1517, yeah. right, over 500 years ago, we, our friend, Martin Luther, took a hammer, went up to the Wittenberg church doors, and he nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Catholic church in Wittenberg. Unintentionally, on his part, he just wanted to bring some reform to the Catholic church, to bring the church back to its biblical, Christ-centered roots. But what he did was the Catholic Church wasn't going to bend, and so the Protestant Reformation came about. Now, of these 95 theses, which are all online, you can go check them out, does anybody know what the first one was? The first one that started it all was, all of life is repentance. All right? All of life is repentance. And with these words, he changed the course of history. From here on out. 500 years later, we're still feeling the effects of it. Otherwise, we'd all be Catholic. I used to be Catholic. Nothing wrong with Catholics, anything like that. I'm just saying the world would be a completely different place. Now, I will say, though, that this truth that all of life is repentance, it did not start with Martin Luther. It has its origins with Jesus. Now, I'm going to touch on a few, on a few cases here in the New Testament. Right, so in the New Testament, let's go to Matthew 4.17. This is right when Jesus begins his earthly ministry. And it says, From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, here we can see that the entirety of Jesus' earthly ministry, from then on, had this heart behind it. If anybody is wondering, what would Jesus preach? I promise you, it probably wouldn't just be, Oh, God loves you. It would be repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Right? Now, we're going to unpack what that means a little bit more because a lot of people have some misconceptions about repentance. Right? And then it doesn't just stop with Jesus, but then we go to Mark 6 12 after Jesus sends out the disciples two by two and they do the same thing. And it says, So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And then we see after Jesus has resurrected and ascended into heaven, we go to Acts 2 38. It's all on the screen, too. It says, Peter, after preaching, replied, each of, this is the people are like, they're cut to the heart with this message, and they're like, what do we do? And Peter's response at the culmination of his message was, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as we can see, he didn't just preach it, he practiced it, and he, told, and he taught his disciples to do the same. Right? This is what we as Christians are to do. We are to invite people to preach the gospel and to invite people to repent of their sins and to take Jesus on as their master instead of sin being their master. 
And that's a pretty good deal if you ask me. I'll talk a little bit more about, uh, about how that affected me later on. So this is, this is our charge for all Christians. And now, with that understanding, that all of life is repentance, and that is what Jesus preached, we're going to talk about that as we proceed to the parable that we're going to get into tonight. But before that, I'm going to set the stage a little bit. So right before we, Jesus preaches this parable, he gives one of the Bible's most, most scathing rebukes to the Pharisees and religious leaders that is, that is ever recorded in the history of man, let alone in the Bible. Like, if you want to go check it out, go check out Luke 11. It'll blow your mind. Like, oof, you said that in front of everybody? Like, man. And so he, he got done doing that. And then right after he leaves rebuking the Pharisees and religious leaders, Luke 12, 1 says that, oh, that thousands of people flocked to him and crowded around him. Right? And then, after, after giving them some warnings and some encouragements and stuff like that, Jesus goes straight to their hearts and straight to the heart of his message. So before we read the parable, let's pray, because I know I need it. Lord God, we love you, and Jesus, we're so grateful for your grace. God, you invite us to repentance, God, because your grace covers all of our iniquities and all of our sins and all of our mistakes. Lord, you know that we, could, we, weren't, we weren't enough to do this, and so you came and did it all for us. Jesus, we give you the praise. God, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive from you tonight. That, Holy Spirit, you would speak through me and to me and to all of us, Lord. God, that you would be glorified here. God, and that we would know you more deeply. We love you, Lord. May you be glorified here in, the, in your mighty and holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so now let's read. Luke, tw- Luke 12, 54 through 13, 9. And he said to the crowd, when you, see, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. And if you live in Colorado for the next week, it's going to be cold, and it's going to be great. Um, And then he goes on to say, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky? How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled with him on the way. Or he may drag you off to the judge, and then the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. And I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with the sacrifices. And Jesus responded to them and answered, Do you think that the Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or eight, or those, and then Jesus replied, Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And when he went out to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. And so he said to the gardener who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree. And, haven't, and I haven't found any. So cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the gardener replied, leave it alone for just one more year, and I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. And if not, then cut it down. So tonight, we're going to talk about three things that this parable is going to unpack for us. Hopefully I can. And that is going to be our need for repentance, the nature of repentance, and the nurturer of repentance. 
So to start off, let's talk about our need for repentance. Now, immediately we see Jesus go straight for the heart. And let's keep in mind, it's, it's literally thousands of people around him. People who are actually pretty favorably disposed to him. They're just, they're like, man, this guy's awesome. And all of a sudden, he just, he won't, you won't give him any fluff. He just goes straight in for the kill. You know what I mean? Like, he goes straight for the heart of thousands with an open rebuke. And he, and he calls them ignorant and, hi- and hypocrites. Right? And now, they're able to interpret the weather for their temporal convenience, but yet they're blinded from being able to interpret the times that they're in for their eternal future and the urgency of their situation that before them is not just some good moral teacher, but it's Jesus Christ, the God, that he is God in the flesh. No, moral te- no good moral teacher would ever say the things that Jesus said. God in the flesh is before them. Now, notice that Jesus gives a short parable before the main one, before, before the main one we're going to get into. He says, when your adversary, when you are on your way to the magistrate with your adversary, try to make amends with him, lest you get turned over. Now, my question for you is, who is the adversary? Well, Paul's going to touch on this a little bit in Romans 5.10. It says, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The adversary that Jesus is talking of is God himself. God Almighty. And contextually, we know that Christ has not died yet, and that he has not risen yet, which means that that therefore all those thousands of people that were around him were still enemies with God. And so they have much to be afraid of. And the thing is, is that the same, hold true, the same thing holds true today. Is that if we are not in Christ, well, then you stand as an enemy against God Almighty. And without the blood of Jesus and the repenting of your sins to turn to God, you stand condemned in that enmity against God. And I'm sorry, my friend, but that's not looking good. That's, that's I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a one-two knockout right there. No questions asked. Right? Now, the question is now, what is the crowd's response to this, this warning and this rebuke? Well, let's be fair. They have the same response that most of us have. I mean, I know I would probably have the same response. You know what they do? They begin to deflect. They bring up these Galileans. Oh, but, but what about these guys? They, I mean, Pilate mixed the blood, their blood with the offering. They must be real bad. They start to deflect by comparing themselves to other people to make their sin look smaller. And I know I've done this. I've done this way more times than I would like to, than I would like to admit, especially when I was a kid. My gosh, I couldn't own up to anything. And the thing is that they lived with the same mindset that many of us have, and that is that bad things happen in proportion to how bad you are, and good things happen in proportion to how good you are. But Jesus will not have it, and the Bible will not tolerate that kind of a worldview. All we got to do is look at the... Let's, let's name off some names in the Bible. Let's talk about Abel, the first one murdered who pleased God. Right? Let's go to Moses, who was used by God. Right? Then we go to Job. Right? We go to Paul. We go to any of the prophets, the apostles that were all killed brutally except for John. Right? And then we go to Jesus. Who pleased God more than him? Who was better than Jesus? Nobody. And yet, we see that he was betrayed by his closest friends, that he was murdered, that he was spit upon, he was crucified, he was scourged and torn open with a cat of nine tails, and yet he pleased God more than anyone could. 
And so that worldview just does not stand up to the reality of Scripture and the reality of our lives. And the unfortunate part is, is that, yeah, we're going to go through hard things. Jesus himself even says in the most, no other religious leader even comes close to being as honest as Jesus. When he says, in this world you will have troubles, but rejoice because I have overcome the world. Right? You are going to have troubles. Most of us, probably all of us, have had, I've already had trouble. Some of us, a lot in this, in this recent time. Some of us more than we would like to admit. But you know what? Jesus has overcome the world. And just like Jesus did with those people who went through all that crap, you can better believe he's going to use every single bit of it for your good and his glory. He promises that all throughout Scripture. Right? Now the thing is that Jesus doesn't just answer their deflection but he also brings up the other one, right, about the ones in Jerusalem, because he knew it was coming. Oh, okay, well, the Galileans were fine, but, uh, but what about the ones in Jerusalem? So he just goes straight for it. And he says the same that he says for the last one, that he says to all of us. But unless you repent, you will all perish. And I don't, I don't see Jesus saying that, um, you know, condemningly, or like, unless you were, you know, it's like, I, I feel like he, was, he probably said it very authoritatively, but I, I, I can't imagine Jesus saying that without tears in his eyes. But unless you repent, you will all perish. And here's the thing. Even right now as I'm reading the words of Jesus, some of us are probably already thinking, well, you're starting to reason, to reason to yourself, right? Well, at least I'm not as bad as Hitler. right? At least I'm not as bad as this person. Right? I mean, I, I mean... I, you know, I've, I've, never, I've never killed anyone or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is, is sin is sin, and if without the blood of Jesus, you stand condemned. Now, and, on, and then there's the people on the other side of the equation. Then I flop back and forth between these two sides, is that some of you are like, what's the point of trying? I've screwed up too much. I'm doomed. I can't, I'll never be as good as this person. What's the point of even trying? I'm hopeless. And Jesus will not take that either, because he came for you. And the problem is that this comparison mentality is a scheme of the enemy in our flesh to not only numb us from the gospel, but also inoculate us to it, to actually like immunize ourselves against the gospel. That's what happens, because all of a sudden our focus gets off of Jesus and it goes straight to me. It goes straight to myself. It goes straight to yourself, and there's no hope there. There's just not. I know there is for, that's, that's the way it is for me. And I'll be honest with you all. I struggled with this all the time, and I still do at times. I, gotta, I mean, just, just being real. You see, I found myself, especially when I became a small group leader or when I became on staff or anything like that, that I couldn't, all of a sudden, I couldn't be honest with my struggles. I felt like I had to be perfect. And, I, and all, all, my, all these sins that were hidden in secret because I just was like, well, I, I can't be like this. I have to be honest. I, but no, I, I can't. I can't let them know. And I would justify myself by thinking, well, at least I read my Bible every day still. Right? Well, I st- I, who's more faithful than me with going to small group? Who, well, then again, I'm leading it, so I guess I have to be there. Uh, but, you know, who's more faithful than me? Right? Oh, oh, yeah, this guy's real holy. I bet he hasn't even read his Bible in a week. I start doing this over and over to start puffing myself up. And then in the same breath, all of a sudden, I would go from that to being like, but I can't confess this again. 
I just, yesterday I just confessed the same sin to him. If I say it again, I'm going to be punished. I'm, so, I'm on staff. I'm a leader. I'm supposed to be better than this. I'm supposed to be a child of God. I can't just, I can't, I can't, I can't confess again. I can't let them think that poorly of me. And back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And all the while, I was shutting myself off from true intimacy with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I was shutting myself off from intimacy with the Lord. See, the Lord wants a real relationship. And, he, and if you can't put the real in there, well, you have a, a relation. Um, you, you can replace the P with a T, and you kind of get the idea. Um, it's not good, okay? You got a relation crap. Um, but that's the fact of the matter. We have to be real with Jesus. He, if we're not, then he can't actually save us from the sins we're not going to repent of. We have to just bring them out into the light. Whatever we keep in the dark, that's the enemy's domain. And the devil can use it for whatever he wants. But as soon as we confess it and we bring it into the light, that's the Lord's domain, and he will use it for good. Every single time. So the real question is now, so, like, so what's the proper response if it's not that? Well, let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10. It's up there. It says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. See, the purpose of what Jesus is saying in these verses is to bring out in all of us to experience godly sorrow. Not worldly sorrow where you're just condemning yourself and all this garbage. No, godly sorrow where you know that you're broken and you know that Jesus not only can, but he's the only one who can and he invites you to come to him and he will set you free. And the another part about this is no matter how much you've screwed up in your life, there's no regrets when you're with Jesus because he's used every single one of them to make you more and more into his image. Every single time. So don't fall into the trap of thinking about yourself all the time, either too highly or just thinking of yourself as scum. It's all pride, right? All you're doing is thinking about yourself. And whenever you think about yourself, that's pride, whether it's high or low. We've talked about that before, right? And all that does is just cause you to spiral, right? You know, most people here probably do know. I know I know anyway. Goodness gracious, if all I have to look forward to is me, man, I'm screwed. Oh, my gosh. Think about it. Where, when you're driving a car, you're only going to drive wherever you're seeing. And if you're driving with a mirror in your face and all you, all you got to look forward to is more of me, man, that's miserable. I, at least for my case. Some of, you are, some, some of you are a little bit better looking. So, I mean, I'm just saying. But for me, I'm like, man, I want, I want, give me Jesus. I can't stand it. I'm talking about you, Owen. How you doing? <laughs> Dang. It's <laughs> oh goodness now with, with all that being said with all that being said stop thinking about yourself and look to Jesus embrace the pain that comes from knowing in your heart and your actions and your thoughts and your words that you have broken the heart of God and you have caused him to weep Right? And that, in spite of all that, he loves you so much that he came and died for you full and well, knowing everything that you were going to do. And he still said, it, 
If he would have just been one of you, he, Jesus would have died for you. It does not matter how, how small or great. He did it for you. He did it for me. That's the only way to freedom, is to embrace the pain of confessing our sins to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us to real repentance. And then not only does Jesus get magnified in our hearts, but the chains of regret also break off. And you're free. Can't tell you the time, the first time I, I, I find, when I, that time I really gave my life to Jesus and I repented. I woke up the next morning and it was like a 600 pound gorilla was off of me. I could breathe. When, I, when Jesus set me free, everything was different. And it can be the same for you tonight. Now, before we continue, I just want to touch on how are we doing? We doing good? Good? Are you with me? You with me? Okay. Focus, Fox? Anybody? No? Okay. Uh, sorry. It's a teacher thing that I'm not a teacher, but uh, I've seen people do it and it works pretty good. Um, all right. All right. So now we're going to talk about the nature of repentance. Right? So now the question is, I've talked a lot about repentance, but what the heck is it? What is repentance? What is real repentance? Because, man, does it get complicated for some people. And I know it was for me, too. You see, the thing is, is that now we need to see that repentance in our lives, this should be the norm. Right? Most people think of repentance as this weakness. That's the general worldview that we have right now of repentance is that you're weak if you repent. With the, or, or some people think on the Christian side of things, too, it's just like this general feeling of grief for your sin. It's this general self-loathing that you have that you just hate yourself. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I can't really hate something that Jesus died for. So, I mean, you can't hate yourself and just, and, and, because Jesus loves you too much. You, Jesus died for you. You can hate your sin. By all means, you should. But if you hate you, then you said God made a mistake. And my last time I checked, he doesn't. And he loves you too much to let you stay there. Right? Now, the, the fact of the matter is, if this was the case, if it was just grief and self-loathing, my gosh, Christians would be the most miserable people on this planet. Just think of it. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Oh, but my sin, my sin, instead of my Savior, my Savior. Right? Think about that. That would be ridiculous. But Jesus himself even says in John 10.10 that he has come to give life. And life to the fullest. Life abundantly. Right? It's, the, it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life. And the fact of the matter is that if all of life is repentance, and yet he came to give life and life abundantly, then I guess that means it can't be depression. It's got to be joy. That's the real fruit of repentance. It's one of them. It's joy. You're free. Right? Repentance, in essence, is acknowledging and turning away from our sin. It's saying, I'm walking this way towards my sin, but Jesus is over here, so I'm going to turn it away, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to walk straight to Jesus. That's repentance. It's turning away from your sin to turn to Jesus. And when you draw near to Jesus, you allow him to form you more and more into his image and to renew your mind and to give you new godly desires. Right? Think about it. It's like... Unfortunately, this is the best example I can come up with right now. So, and unfortunately, the, the part that's hard is that a lot of us have been through this. Is that before we repent, man, sin is our master, and that is the most abusive relationship you can be in. You can never do enough. There's old, old. There's a there's some old poems and stories 
and talk about this prince who killed, who killed a man, and he had this stain, this red stain in his, in his clothing from killing him, and he couldn't get it out. And he, he gave, he, the whole kingdom was there just to, okay, my, my true love will be the one who will be able to get this stain out. Everyone in the kingdom tried. And then all of a sudden, this peasant girl, right, just new to town, didn't even know about this going on. She was doing some laundry. She found the stain. Okay, I guess I'll get it out. She gets it out. And all of a sudden, the king, this prince, was like, I, I'm finally free of this stain. You must be my true love. And I think we know how the story goes with the happy ending and everything, right? And Jesus, I promise you, is the only one who can get that stain out of your heart. And he will set you free. And that is the joy. You're, you're no longer in this abusive relationship with sin as your master. You come home to your father. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You ain't got to be clean. He makes you perfect. He cleans you. He puts a robe on, your, uh, on you. He puts a ring on your finger. Sandals on your feet, and he gives you the same position in heaven as Jesus Christ has. That's the wild part of the gospel. He does it all, and you get it all if you give it to him. Right? All right, so how does God bring about repentance? Now, I pray that at this point, most of us would see our need for repentance. But how? Well, repentance is not just something we can stir up within ourselves. It's not, like I said, it's not just a general feeling of self-loathing. And like, oh, miserable, I repent. It's like, no, it comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. He's the only, he's the origins. If we're going to have godly sorrow, it has to have a godly root. We, it has to be from the Holy Spirit. It's not something you can conjure up, right? And I can't make it happen either. Gosh, I wish I could sometimes. Whew, I wish I could do it for me. Right? Because sometimes I'm like, Lord, I know this is wrong, but man, I just don't, I'm, I'm, I'm almost numb. And it takes the Holy Spirit to start ripping those calluses off. Start whittling down my hard heart. And most of the times when God whittles down our heart, when he actually brings us to repentance, he does it through circumstance. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's not just like a one-size-fits-all, like, okay, I want you to repent, everything's going to go to crap. Enjoy. Actually, from my own life, I've seen that when my heart has been the hardest, yes, sometimes the Lord will bring hard circumstances in it to start chiseling away the stone around my heart. But then other times, man, other times my heart is so ice cold that he pours out his favor and his grace that I definitely do not deserve. I could, you know how sickening it is when you know that you've broken his heart, that you have been committing sins, and all of a sudden he blesses you? Over and over and over? Let's think about it. If you know you're in the wrong and someone yells at you and starts tearing you down, you can kind of get a little defensive. But if you know you're in the wrong, really in the wrong, and the person just says, I love you, and they start crying over you, you got no defense for that. The only thing you can do is just be loved or run away. And sometimes the Lord does both. He sends hard times and blessings. But he's always in control. And he's always using every circumstance, no matter how horrible or how great, for your good and for his glory. Because he loves you. Right? And the, and the thing is, is that in these verses that we've looked at, 
this, this parable, really the response is from Jesus is that in all circumstances, whether a tower falls on you, whether you get killed, or whether you're free and you're one of the thousands around Jesus, the response for all of this is repentance. Right? So the test of real repentance is how we deal with these circumstances. Right? So, in rea- so the reality, I think this is going to be up next. Let's see. Go to the next one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, the reality that should permeate our lives if we have really repented and submitted to Jesus is that is the reality that I am far more wicked and sinful and deserving of hell and God's wrath than anybody would ever guess. And yet, in spite of that, I am more cherished and loved by God than I could ever dare imagine possible. That's the reality of being a Christian. And the more we get closer to Jesus, the more we see how sinful we are. And yet, in spite of that, man, like, I, like a huge tidal wave that just comes washing over it, we see how much more we are loved than we could ever deserve. And the best part is, is that if we can't deserve God's love and we can't earn it, that means we can't lose it. It's a gift. You can't just lose a gift. You didn't earn it. Mm. This reality, the beauty of it is it not only humbles us, but it also builds us up. God doesn't want us scum. He calls you sons and daughters. And if you're a son or daughter of the king, what does that make you? A prince or a princess. You're royalty because of what Jesus has done for you. And you couldn't earn it. You came to God like the prodigal son covered in filth and dirtiness and clothes and and just broken. And he completely restored you to way more than you could ever dare possible. You, you, You were never born to be a peasant. You were born to be a son or a daughter of the king. And when we repent, we get to come back to that. See, the thing is, is that if we really believe this is what repentance is, then when good times come, we will repent. You know how that looks? How it looks is that we respond in gratitude. Say, instead of saying, man, it's about freaking time I got, that, I got this raise. It's about time I got that A. It's about time I got recognized. It's about time I got a date. You say, Lord, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I don't deserve this. This is all just grace from your hand. And repentance, remember, it's just turning away from something to turn to Jesus. You can, you can turn away from good things to turn to Jesus. You can repent from good things. And when bad and hard times come, the way we repent is once again with gratitude and nearness to Jesus because we know that no matter how bad things get, we deserve worse. The only thing that my hands have ever earned me is hell. The only thing I ever contributed to my salvation was the sin that made it, that, that made it mandatory. The only thing we deserve is hell. And so anything better than that is grace. And I know it's hard. My God. Coming from, from, from an abusive home, where my parents were drug addicts, Right? Being sexually abused as a kid, not by my parents, but by, by, by friends. Being made fun of for being overweight. Trying to, trying to kill myself five times between the ages of 9 and 20. I get it. Trust me, I'm, not, I'm speaking from experience when I say this. No matter how bad my life has gotten, I still deserve worse. And God said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect you, even when it doesn't seem like I am. And all the abuse, all the hardship, all the, all the garbage and the crap I'm going to use for good to make you to the man or woman that I have made you to be. 
And not only will it stop with you, but I'm going to use you to help more people with it. I promise you, if you would just give it to him, he's going to make something beautiful out of it. And trust me, with some of the stuff that I've been through, and I know some of the stuff that a lot of us have been through, he's the only one that can make something good out of it. Right? So here's some tests for, uh, of repentance and salvation. Here's some, here's, a, here's some signs that Winky Prattney has about what, it, what is a counterfeit conversion. What is fake repentance? Here's some signs, and they hurt. So I'm sorry in advance, not really. Um, <laughs> all right, so the first one, it should be up there. The first one is that you obey God to get good things, not because you love him. Right? Oh, I'm going to go to Chi Alpha. I'm going to go to small group. I'm going to read my Bible so that way I get a good spot in heaven. Right? Oh, well, well, if I do these things, then guess what? God owes me. Right? And the thing is, most of this stuff is very insidious. It's very just deep. And, and what, it's not until you really start thinking about it that, uh, you know, you actually start realizing it, myself included. My gosh, this, this list hurt me to put on here. The second one is that you are more motivated by the fear of punishment than by the motivation of love, which means that you have to do something instead of you get to do something. Well, if I want God's favor, i got to do this. I have to do it. It's no longer an option. It's a have to. And it robs all the joy out of everything you do. The third one is you repent because you don't want to be lost and go to hell. Whereas Christians repent because they hate sin because it dishonors and grieves God. The fourth one, you de your desires are more for what you can get out of people than for what you can give them. And let me tell you, as a missionary who lives on people supporting me every month, that one hurt. That one really, really hurt. Fifth one, you feel more sorry for, for sinners going to hell than you feel sorry for God's broken heart. Well, I got to preach the gospel so people don't go to hell. Instead of, I got to preach the gospel so that way Jesus is glorified and he gets the reward of his suffering. Right? Because the fact of the matter is, guys, I've been doing ministry for 10 years now. If I did this because I wanted to save people from hell, I'd be real discouraged real quick. Because the fact of the matter is, I know my own heart, and I've met enough people to know that we deserve hell. But Jesus, even more so, deserves you restored back to him the reward of his suffering, so that way he can have his sons and daughters back to him. And the last one, and this one is the one that definitely messed with me a lot throughout my life, is that you're more afraid of the punishment and consequences of sin than you're actually grieved by the sin itself because it breaks God's heart. I, I hate this. I was a Christian for probably more than five years before this one actually got illuminated for me, which is why I had such a hard time. Remember earlier I talked about how when I became a leader, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't tell people about it because of that. I didn't want to lose my title. Why would I can tell them about how much I'm struggling with sin, how much I'm struggling with pornography, how much I'm, str I'm struggling with, with belittling people in my heart and all these things if, I, if the consequences could be that I might lose my job? I might, I might not be a small group leader anymore. I cared more about the consequences of my sin than I cared about my sin. And that one, when that one got illuminated for me, it absolutely broke me. 
I was driving in my car past, past the football stadium at, at the last college I was at, and I, and I just had to pull over and started weeping. It was, it was horrible, knowing that the real reason, my real motives for what I was doing is so I wouldn't get caught. Not because I wanted to be holy, because Jesus, because it would make Jesus smile. Right? Now, here's the thing, is that no Christian, no real Christian can continually live in sin and, like, love it. I'm, now, I'm, don't get me wrong, Christians are still going to sin. Most, I mean, it's just, we're stupid and we're broken. Okay, fine, I'm stupid and I'm broken, I won't put that on y'all. Um, just saying, like, man. But the thing is, is that if you love your sin, and you keep going after it, that habitual sin, well, then let, let me just read what John has to say. 1 John 3, 6 in the Amplified says, No one who abides in Christ, who remains united in fellowship with him, will deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practice sin. No one who, who habitually sins has seen him or known him. If you are living in, in that habitual sin, and you love it, then I would like to unfortunately tell you, you are probably not saved. And you are probably not a Christian. And you may be one of those people at the end of time, that Jesus says that people came to me in my name, and, I, and they said, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things? And he'll say, get away from me, I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. Jesus does not care so much about your sinlessness as he cares about your heart. And the thing is, is that our actions are a really good indicator of where our heart's at. And whatever we love, that's where our heart is. And whatever you love is what you protect. If, you, if you, we ever say in our hearts, man, I, I, Jesus, I'll do anything you want but. Well, that but is your actual God. Right? Or, man, Jesus, I'll do anything if I can just have you and. Whatever that and is is actually your God if Jesus is not. Right now, here's the thing. I love this example. It's from my favorite preacher, Martin Lloyd Jones. He t he talks about because he he poses this question. Well, what if a Christian is sinning? Like, are, do they just lose their salvation? No, no, of course not. If you love it, then you probably didn't have it to begin with. But how how it, how it looks practically is there's two fields. Over here, we have the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. Colossians one talks about this. Over here, we have the the kingdom of of Jesus, the kingdom of light. And upon salvation, when you repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus, you go from over here instantly over here. All at once, 100%. The word, the word, excuse me, the word in the Greek is translated, which is an actual, like, it, it, the term means all at once, instantaneously. And occasionally, we're stupid, and there's this road separating these two kingdoms, and our old master, the flesh, the devil, He'll shout across the road and tell us to do something, go, go, to go sin. And for some stupid reason, we listen to him. Now, the fact of the matter is, just because we did that thing doesn't mean we're all of a sudden over here now. No, we are still over here in the, kingdom of, in, the, in the kingdom of heaven. We are still secure in Christ. Jesus himself even says that no one will be able to take you from my hand. Romans 8 goes on to say that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. I believe that if you are saved, you are secure. Now, the fact of the matter is, though, is that if that security gives you a license to sin, then you actually aren't secure. The fact that Jesus will love you no matter what should actually break you to the point of never wanting to do it again. That's, that's the true test. All right, now we're going to talk about, we're finishing up now. 
right? The nurturer of repentance. And um, the praise team can come back up. Praise team. <laughs> All right. So for a recap, because I've talked a lot, sorry. <laughs> but for, as a recap, I'm gonna, we're going to read over the parable one more time. Right? Luke 13, 6 through 9. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. And he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. So cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, then cut it down. So though we've been going over this, let me clarify some key things here. The landowner is God. The gardener is Jesus. The vineyard is the world. We are the fig tree. And repentance is the fruit. Right? But note this too. That repentance may be the fruit, but that's only the beginning. See, repentance, when it's fully ripened, what it actually is, is the sweetest fruit. It's that we become more and more like Jesus. This is the real fruit that God is looking for. It's that restoration of what we were originally made for. Right? Genesis 1, we were made in the image of God. And he wants to restore us back to that, to look like the image of God, who is Jesus. That's the real fruit that God is after. Right, fig trees bear figs. Humans bear the image of God. Right? So now, oh, I love this verse. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is able also to save forever, completely, perfectly, for eternity, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. Jesus do you know what Jesus' full-time job in heaven is? It's to intercede for you and for me. It's not, he's not just, you know, just kicking back up there, eating grapes with angels feeding him. He is up there constantly, naming each of us by name, interceding for you, that you will come to know him more, that you will repent of your sins, not because he's his taskmaster, because he wants you free. He wants you free, and he wants you with him forever. Right? And we see this with the gardener, too. He's interceding for the fig tree. Just one more year. Just one more year. I'll do, I'll do everything I can. And if then, then, then okay. Right? Remember the, the, how we started off this, this uh, sermon series? I preached on the different soils. This is what the good gardener is doing. He's softening up the hard ground. Right? He said he's going to dig around it. He's pulling out the rocks and the soil that's keeping the roots from growing deep to get good nutrients. He's ripping out the vines and the weeds that are choking out the plant, that are choking out the fig tree. And he will stop at nothing until we start forming that fruit of repentance in our lives. Now, the, pro, the, the hard part is how he does it sometimes because we are very narrow-scoped narrow when, it, when it comes to things. we got blinders on, so we don't really get to see the full picture. But in the same way that Christ's body was broken for us, Jesus breaks up the soil, which can be seen as Jesus breaking up the very foundations of everything we held true. He breaks up our ground. He breaks up our friends. He breaks up everything that we held on to. He starts tearing up our foundations because they were hard, full of rocks and thorns. But he's making your hearts good soil. 
We see him fertilizing the soil. And sometimes a sign that Christ is working in your life is the fact that it smells like crap. Because that's manure. Right? That's Greeley. That's right. But all that crap happening in your life, that's the manure that the Lord is putting on there to help make you fertile. To help make the soil of your heart fertile for that fruit of repentance. And I know it sucks at the time. Trust me, I know. I know it stinks. But it's only temporary. Eternity is so much bigger than what you're going through. And then the gardener, Jesus, will also water the soil of the tree. And Christ waters us with his precious blood that was spilt and poured out for us on the cross at Calvary. And that cross, that old rugged cross, was cut down from a tree that wasn't bearing any fruit. So that way we as trees who, who, are, who aren't bearing fruit won't be cut down. And notice how the parable ends. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. I just want to say God will give you countless second chances on this life. You cannot screw up too much to not be forgiven. You can never screw up too much because God is so much bigger than your sin. And he can cover it and will cover it all. I know firsthand because I thought that I did too much. And here I am. Completely unqualified and here standing before you telling you of what the Lord has done for me. It's all grace. And just keep that in mind. It's fine. If you repent, your slate is wiped clean. Past, present, future, gone. It's fine. You're fine. He's got it all under control. But, in spite of the countless second chances, notice that this tree is on a timeline. And there will come a final chance. And none of us will know when that day is. None of us will know when that day is. If we die in our sins, having not repented, and confess Jesus as Lord, then like a fruitless tree, we too will be cut down and cast into the fires. But let me, let me encourage you, if your heart is warmed right now to repent, then do it as soon as possible. Don't delay. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave here. The fact that you even want to repent shows that the Holy Spirit is working on you. You can't just stir that up. Remember that. If you even want to change, if you even want to repent, if you even want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, that means the Holy Spirit is doing his work, and all you've got to do is open your hands and say, Yes, Lord, take me. I repent, and he will do the rest. Do not let anything stand in your way of repentance and nearness to Jesus. Now, as most of you know, I've said this before, but Jesus talks about in the Gospel of Luke also that when even just one sinner gives their life to Jesus, that there's a party that goes on in heaven. We will not let them have all the fun. Not at all. So if there is anyone here that wants to give their life to Jesus tonight and repent of your sins, and I would encourage you right now to stand up so we can welcome you home into the family of God. Thank you. Let's go. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Welcome home. Welcome home. We love you all. And just know that you're never going to be in it alone. You're never going to be in it alone. And for the rest of us who want to repent of something else, I would encourage you to confess your sins one to another as the Bible talks about in James. And if you want someone to pray with you, pray amongst yourself. And if you want, um, if I can get some of the staff to go in the back, maybe some small group leaders, maybe just two, two or three, then we can pray for you also. We just know that we love you. 
but the Lord loves you even more. I'm going to pray right now. Lord, we love you. And Jesus, we're so grateful for your grace. God, I repent. I repent of everything that could cause you pain. Lord God, and we, we just want to come to you, Lord, humbly and boldly and just ask for your help. So, Lord, in your mighty and holy name, please be with us and guide us nearer to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at xaunc. And you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Amen.